Jesus promised his disciples in Acts 1.8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Welcome to You Shall Receive Power, and here are your hosts, Etienne McClintock and Colin Hone. Dear listener, welcome to the program today. We're delighted to have your company. Colin and I pray that you will be blessed as we study God's Word together today. And just as we open the Word, we just pray to close your eyes and ask God to bless us as we spend time together in His Word. Father in heaven, such a privilege yet again to open your Word, to study, to look at history, to look at your instructions through the Word, to prepare for that great and glorious day of Jesus Christ's soon return. Father, we want to behold you in your beauty. We want to see your glory and live because there are many that won't be able to stand in that day, Father, and we know that you send us messages of mercy, of love, and of warning. And as we look at this program today and we look at the Laodicea message, Father, we just pray that you'll illuminate our hearts and minds, give us a fresh anointing of your spirit that we can understand the truths of your word is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So, dear listener, last time when we uh, went through the program, we looked at some interesting aspects of the significance of the message that God sent to his remnant church in 1888. Now, that message was met with great opposition, and no doubt the devil was very angry with that, that message because that message, while it manifests the righteousness of Christ and those who receive the righteousness of Christ— actually love the Lord, they have the laws written in their hearts and their minds, and they manifest obedience to all the commandments of God, which is an expression of love, of agape love, which is self-sacrificing love. Now, there was a, a, a time when the message looked like it would succeed, but then it did not succeed. And Satan is bringing deception upon deception upon the world to make sure that there will not be a people ready for Jesus Christ's soon return. And as we look at the Bible, we have time periods presented by seven churches in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3 cover those seven churches. And the very last church is the church of the Laodiceans. And the word Laodicea just means the people who are judged or people's court. So this is a church during the judgment time period. We're told in the Bible the judgment begins at the house of God. So this is during the investigative judgment, which we've unpacked in previous programs. And I just want to read that message to you, and then we'll start unpacking the significance of that because we want to be ready for Christ's second coming. And it says, To the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, and I'm in verse 14 of Revelation chapter 3, These things says the Amen. Now, who's the Amen? That's Jesus Christ, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye self, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. 
To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Colin, what a momentous message here, full of instruction, full of counsel, even rebuke. But a message of love, as it says there in verse 19, as many as I love are rebuke and chasten. So there are three conditions there that, that we have an issue with. We don't know that we are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. But the poor, blind, and naked God, Jesus Christ, offers us some solutions for that. So how do we come out of this condition so that we can be ready for Jesus Christ's return? That's right. Well, for the first thing, it's right at the end it says, Jesus is knocking on the door. He says, let me yes. in. Yes. That's the first thing he says. So in order to come of our later condition and to become like Jesus and be ready for his glorious return, well, the first thing it says when you reverse it, let Jesus in, is Jesus says, you need the eye salve. So in order to come of our latest in condition and to become like Jesus and be ready for his glorious return, we must have the eye salve. Okay, so that's to sort out that blindness issue that we have. That's right. Mm. Therefore, this program is going to focus on coming out of our latest in condition and being ready for Christ's return. It is essential that that we understand that this is a very important biblical subject. Mm. So the question is, what is the eye salve? Okay. Okay. So when Jesus listed the necessity of the eye salve, he stated that it was what gave the spiritual insight. It's the eye salve that gives us spiritual insight. It's also that sees our true condition. Mm. And Jesus called the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth in John 14, verse 17. He says the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. That's right, yes. And the spirit is described as the spirit of truth because it is the spirit that guides into all truth. Let's mm. read John chapter 16, verse 13. It says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Right. So it's the Spirit that guides us into all truth and opens our eyes to see the truth. Mm. And Ellen White referred to the eye salve as the eye salve of spiritual discernment. Okay. Hence, when one studies God's Word or teaches God's Word, it is essential that the eye salve of the Spirit be present in order to clearly understand the Word or enable those who hear the word to be convicted that it is the truth. Yes. And Jesus emphasizes the necessity of the spirit for the disciples to effectively witness for him to the world when he said these words in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 to 5 and verse 8. It says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So Jesus makes it really clear or very clear to the disciples that they must receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in order to be effective in fulfilling their God-given mission. Hmm. Hence the I salve necessary to have God's word impact one's life and empower the preaching of the gospel is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And concerning this, Ellen White wrote these words in the Review and Herald 
February 14, 1899, in paragraph 1. It says, When our eyes are anointed with the holy eye self, we shall be able to detect the precious gems of truth, even though they may be buried beneath the surface. So we need the eye self, don't we, to open our eye to yeah. the word of God and see the truth of it. Otherwise, because the problem with later see it, they're blinded to the truth. Mm. They think they're okay. So Bible study will become more effective. That's right. Mm, beautiful. And again, she writes in um, letter 34 in 1896, Review and Herald, August 13, paragraph 20. It says, The eyes anointed with the eye self will see other lessons in the Holy Word than those seen by readers whose hearts are not cleansed, refined, and elevated. Under the work of the Holy Spirit, the conscious will recognize a pure, high standard of righteousness that puts to shame the low, cheap ideas of the surface reader whose mind is corrupted with sin. They see that the doers of the word alone are justified before God. So did you notice that Ellen White associated the I self with recognizing a pure, high standard of righteousness? Mm. It gives you a clear picture of what really righteousness is, and it gives a clear picture of what we are. Which is unrighteous Yes The eye self opens the eye To see the importance Of being doers of the word Remember Jesus says Don't be hearers of the word But be doers doers of the the word word." That's right And so the eye self leads To obedience to God's commandments The high standard of righteousness That's Mm. what the high standards of righteousness is Yes Is the ten commandments And so the eye self will lead to obedience To God's commandments Now Satan's plan is that he doesn't want you to understand or experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Ellen White was aware of Satan's devices to hinder the reception of this gift by God's people. She wrote in Australian Signs of the Times in July 24 in 1911 these words about the Holy Spirit. Since the ministry of the Holy Spirit is of vital importance to the Church of Christ, it is one of the devices of Satan through the errors of extremists and fanatics to cast contempt upon the work of the Spirit and cause the people of God to neglect the source of strength which our Lord himself has provided. So what happens is Satan has has brought in deceptions or counterfeits, Mm. right, of extremists and fanatics, all right? And you've seen that on television. You've seen it right throughout where you see this stuff and basically that causes the people of God to neglect because of the counterfeit. In other words, Satan has done a number on us. Yes, He's got he a has. counterfeit, and we're like so afraid of the counterfeit mm. because we're told there is a counterfeit. Yes, there is. And we can see the fruits of that counterfeit by the way that the behavior and the, what happens mm. that God's people don't want to have the true baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so what is the true baptism in the Holy Spirit? Well, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is simply describes a special infilling of the Holy Spirit into the life of the believer. The baptism is also called the infilling or the anointing. And it's been available to Christians since the day of Pentecost over 2,000 years ago. Mm. And Peter associated the Pentecost outpouring of the Spirit with the early reign prophecy of Joel in Acts chapter 2, verses 16 and 21. So let's read Acts chapter 2, verse 16 and 21, where here Peter associates the Pentecost outpouring of the Spirit with the early reign prophecy of Joel. Acts chapter 2, verse 16 and 21. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says the Lord, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my manservant and on my maidservant, 
I will pour out my spirit in those days. They shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heavens above and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So here's Peter. He's quoting out of the Old Testament saying this is fulfilled on the day of Pentecost, what Joel spoke about, Mm. the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus um, promises an example. Jesus promised that the Father would give the Spirit if we ask for it. In Luke chapter 11, verse 13... It says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Right. And again, if you read verses 9, 10, 11, he's saying ask, ask, ask a number of times. Yes, but five times or something that is mentioned there, I think. That's right. The whole point is to continually ask. It's not just a one-off. It's to continually ask. Mm. And so Paul tells us that we receive this gift by faith. In Galatians 3, chapter 14, he says we receive it by faith. Yeah, it says that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So how do you receive the Spirit? Through? Through faith. How do you receive Jesus? <laughs> through faith, yeah. Through faith. Believing the word. That's right. And I we... mean, even in verse 2 there of Galatians chapter 3, Paul says, This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? All by the hearing of faith. So it's very clear that we are to hear the word of God, and if we receive it by faith, we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's right. Unbelief will not get you the Holy Spirit. No. And the reception on this gift is so important, right, that Paul commands us to be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. That's right. And so it's not an option. Paul actually is using the word a command word. You need to be filled with the Spirit. And he also uses in the Greek, it's a continuous uh, verb. It's Mm. not a one-time action. It's continue being filled with the Spirit. Keep on being filled with the Spirit in the morning, during the day, in the evening. Mm. It's not simply an option. It is necessary if the believer is earnest about experiencing the full deliverance from sin the gospel of Jesus Christ offers. So we can be filled with the Spirit continuously and have that continuous communion with God. What a, what a Keep asking. That's yeah. why it says keep asking. Jesus mm. said, remember in Luke, ask, ask, ask a number of times. We keep on asking and we keep on receiving. And there's this constant uh, asking and receiving. And so Jesus is our example in all things, isn't he? He is, yes. In his life, we see the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a special separate event following water baptism. So he was baptized in water. Yes. And this event equipped him for personal victory over Satan's temptation and, and his spirit-anointed ministry. And his experience is a divine model for every Christian. And we read in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, that Christ was begotten of the Spirit. Okay, and it says, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born of you will be called the Son of God. That's right. And also, when we read Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it says he was led by the Spirit in his childhood and early manhood. It says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. He also received a water baptism, which was followed by the baptism of the Spirit. We read in Luke chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, 
You are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. So Jesus himself was baptized in water, and then he prayed, asked his father, yes, and he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Mm. And from that point on, it says in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, that he was filled with the Spirit. Yes, it says, And Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So he was led by the Holy Spirit in the wilderness. And after this experience of the Spirit, baptism, infilling, anointing, he was prepared to confront Satan and gain his greatest victories over this enemy. We mm. read that in Luke chapter 4, verse 213, when Jesus yes. goes out and he's tempted. Now, how did he overcome? Those temptations. He said, it is written. It is written. Yes. It is written. And in the Bible, it says in the Bible in Psalms that thy word is in my heart that I may not sin against you. So when he was tempted, the word was on Jesus' heart that Mm. he might not sin. Because he quoted the word each time. That's right. And he says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And after that, it says in uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 14, that he went forward to minister in the power of of the mm. Spirit from that day forward. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. So he went forward and ministered in the power of the Spirit from that day forward. Just amazing. And again, Paul mentions it, uh, or Peter mentions it when he's talking to Cornelius in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Mm. He says, How God anointed Jesus of a Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And so this is the experience that every believer is to follow and have, you know, follow Christ's example. The Christian is first born of the Spirit and baptized in water. We read that in John chapter 3, verse 5 to 8. Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh... Is flesh that which is born of the spirit is spirit do not marvel that I say to you you must be born again the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes so is everyone who is born of the spirit that's right so the Christian is first born of the spirit and baptized in water Hmm. however water baptism is not enough it's only the beginning the baptism of water is for repentance yes God wants the believer to also be baptized by the Holy Spirit. We read that in Luke chapter 3, verse 16. It says, John answered and saying to all, said, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal straps I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit? Jesus Christ. Jesus baptizes mm. with the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit baptism became available to every believer from the day of Pentecost onward. Mm. And this infilling of the Spirit is necessary for the believer to have the power to live a victorious life and successful witness for Christ. Mm. It's all about reflecting the character of Christ yes. and power to witness. And mm. we read that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which is our signature verse of this program. Yes, it says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Amazing. Mm. And amazingly, in John chapter 14, verse 12, in John 14, verse 12, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says to them that they'll do the works that he did and even greater works. What Mm. an amazing promise. Jesus says to his disciples, you know the works that I do? 
Yeah. You're going to do the same works as I do, but even greater works. Let's read that. It says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. That's right. And we read the rest of it that he went to the Father to ask for the Holy Spirit to Mm. be poured out. And so when Jesus was on the earth, he could only be at one place at one time. Mm. However, when he ascended to the Father, he was able to be in many places throughout the earth by the indwelling his followers through the Holy Spirit, by his indwelling. We read that in 1 John chapter 3, verse 24. 1 John chapter 3, verse 24, where Jesus talks about him dwelling in us. Same in John chapter 14. It says he wants to not only be with us, the Holy Spirit, but will be in us. And he says the Father and Jesus will come through the Holy Spirit to be in us. First John chapter 3, verse 24. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. By this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. So Jesus abides in us through the Spirit. Mm. And so that's how when Jesus is living in us, we can do greater works because there'll be many people multiplied across the earth. Yeah, and here we also see that the indwelling spirit is manifest by the commandment keeping. It is very clear in that verse. It's always linked. Mm. It always lead to obeying God's commandment, as Hebrews chapter 8 and Hebrews chapter 10 says. The new covenant promise. The new covenant promise. Mm. God will write his laws and minds on uh, write his laws on our minds and our hearts. So hence Jesus empowers the believer to do the same works he did by the Holy Spirit. And the reason why these works will be greater is because they are more widespread. Right. They're multiplied. And so the fulfillment of Jesus' promise was seen on the day of Pentecost and following the gospel was preached. Souls were won and unity and joy were seen in the believers and the sick were healed. We read about that in Acts chapter 2, verse 46 to 47. I mean, Peter on the day of Pentecost is filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. And he gets up and he preaches. Hmm. And people have said, oh, it wasn't a great sermon, apparently, you know, when they put it together, but it was a great sermon because it was powered by the Holy Spirit. Amen. 3,000 people were baptized. Mm. And what did he say? He said to the Jews, and it's really important that we get this, he said to the Jews, listen, you guys crucified the Messiah. Have a think about that. Who actually crucified the Messiah? Well, it was the Roman soldiers yes. by order of uh, Pontius Pilate. Mm. And it was the high priests and the priests that, you know, put him up to that. Yeah. And so, Well, the church didn't have the authority to do to execute Christ like that. So they then asked the civil powers to enforce their religious request. And then they, when they realized that they had crucified the Messiah, it says in, um, in Acts that it says they were cut, cut to, the, to heart. the heart. Yes. And then they said, what do we do? And Peter says, hey, listen. Repent. So what was the first step? Repentance. Repentance. Repent, be baptized, mm. and you too shall receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. I'll cut to the heart and they'll baptize in water. Yes. And the promise was them to receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so this is the same type of ministry as Jesus' ministry because it was Jesus doing the ministry through his church, which is called the body of Christ. And so 3,000 people were baptized, and we read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, where it talks about the body of Christ and Jesus doing the same ministry through his church, which is the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27, it says, 
Now, you are the body of Christ and members individually. That's right. So we're members individually, but we're made up of what's called the body of Christ. Yes. yes. And what happened? Well, the gospel was preached. Souls were one. Unity and joy were seen in the believers, and the sick were healed. Jesus healed the sick. They healed the sick. Mm. And so receiving the baptism of the Spirit after Pentecost, we're going to talk about that shortly after we take a short break, but we're going to talk about what happened after Pentecost. Do people continually receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or was it a one-off event on the day of Pentecost? Okay, that's a good question we'd love to answer. So, dear listener, don't go away. We'll be right back after this short message. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Minute That Makes a Difference. I'm Margot Marshall. What difference would it make to your self-control if you read the Bible? In a study, participants were given sentences containing five words to unscramble. Some contained religious themes, others didn't. Then they were asked to complete tasks that required self-control, involving enduring discomfort, delaying gratification, exerting patience and refraining from impulsive responses. Those who unscrambled the sentences with religious themes had significantly more self-control in completing their tasks, which surprised the lead researcher, who previously thought that religion had little practical use. The very book that strengthens self-control, the Bible, claims to do so. Quote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So keep a Bible handy. It makes a difference. Dear listener, welcome back. Now, Colin, just before the break, we were talking about Pentecost and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the wonderful sermon that was preached by Peter out of the prophet Joel's book where it talks about receiving the Holy Spirit. And these people, it says, were so deeply convicted by the Holy Spirit because some of the work that the Holy Spirit does, according to Jesus in John John chapter chapter 16, Mm. is that he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And it sounds like what you were saying before, there was a deep conviction of sin. Yeah. I mean, they realized, the Holy Spirit convicted them, that they had put Jesus, the Messiah, promised Messiah, on the cross. Mm. And it says they were cut to the heart. Yeah. And Peter said, repent and be baptized, and you too shall receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. Interesting, when we think about it, right, we too put Jesus on that cross. Mm. You see, Jesus went to that cross for you and me. He went to the cross for you, listeners, to pay the penalty for your sins. Mm, So really, because of our sins, we put Jesus on that cross. Mm. And when we realize that, that we put Jesus on that cross because of our sins, then he went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so that we can be declared not guilty and be justified and be freed from the condemnation of sin, which is eternal death and separation from God. That should cut us to the heart. And when we're Mm. cut to the heart, we too will cry out, what shall we do? And Peter says the same words to us, repent, be baptized, and you too shall receive the promise of the Mm. Holy Spirit. So understanding that it was our sins also that killed Jesus on the cross is very important. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 3, Paul says, For I delivered you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins 
according to the scriptures. So it wasn't the crucifixion that killed him. It was our sins that actually killed him because they were surprised that he died so quickly. It was the, the broken heart that he experienced, that separation from God that our sins brought upon him that killed him. Now, you were talking before about them being cut to the heart when the Holy Spirit was convicting them through the preaching of Peter because they'd already received this power that Jesus says would enable them to be witnesses. Now, in the book of Zechariah, it talks about the Spirit of God being poured out on God's people, on the house of David. And listen to what happens to them when this happens. And I think this is something that needs to happen to the church as well and will happen under the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It says, this is Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10. And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. And they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. So you can see that being cut to the heart, that mourning that comes in there, that God, when he pours out his spirit of grace and supplication upon his church. Mm. And so not every believer, though, was present at Pentecost, though, were they? That's true. Yeah. So there was, we know there were 3,000 that were converted on that day. Yeah. Mm. But they were, obviously the rest of the world needed to be uh, warned, and not all the Jews were there either. So a practical question might be, how did the believers receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit after Pentecost? That's a the, good question. And the answer is found in the book of Acts. So on a couple of occasions, the Spirit fell on a group while Peter spoke to them in Acts chapter 10, verse 44 to 46. Acts chapter 10, verse 44 to 46. And it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered. That's right. And he also read... You know, Peter then comes back and he's talking to the disciples about what's happening because what? The Gentiles have received the same gift. Mm. And uh, he talks in uh, Acts chapter 11, uh, verse 15, he says, As I began to speak, this is Peter, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Mm. You know, at Pentecost he's talking about. Then I remembered the words of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he goes on in verse 17, If therefore... God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I that I could withstand God? Mm. So, you know, then God has also granted the Gentiles repentance to life and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it appeared God led the church to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in a more orderly way by the laying of hands also. We read in Acts chapter 8, verse 12 to 17, where Philip had gone down to Samaria, okay, mm, to, to preach. Philip. Yeah, Philip. So he was the uh, evangelist, one of the Philip deacons. The evangelist, one of the deacons. Okay. Yeah. So the deacons were baptizing people in That's the early right. church. And filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they, and they were evangelists. And they were preaching the gospel. Amen. So let's read that. Acts chapter 8, verses 12 to 17. It says, But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself was also, who also believed, he was baptized. And he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. 
who when they had come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, so they've been baptized in water, but they had not been baptized with the Holy Spirit yet. For as yet, verse 16, for as yet they had fallen upon none of them. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So did you notice in Notice that the individuals of Samaria were led by the Spirit to accept Jesus Christ mm. as their Lord and Savior and to be baptized in water. Yes. They were led by that, by the Spirit. Yet they had not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so Peter and John come down from Jerusalem for a specific purpose to lay hands on them and to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to come upon them. Mm. This is a clear indication that water baptism and spirit baptisms are two separate experiences. Exactly, because it says that they were baptized only in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, I know there's a movement afoot amongst the Christian church now where they no longer want to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and they only want to be named baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. But it says those people who have been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus had not yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit yet. And it was only by the laying on of the hands of the apostles, so that's Peter and John, that they received the Holy Spirit. That's right. And so what happens, like you said, the Spirit leads an individual to accept Jesus to be baptized in water, Mm. to repent and be baptized in water. Mm. And this is a different work than the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which must be sought separately when one becomes aware of it. Yes. We see in Acts that Paul also received the baptism of the Holy Spirit by the laying of hands and prayer. We read that in Acts chapter 9, verses 17, where says, Paul was blinded for you know three or four days. He was yeah. like blind. Mm. And then uh, Ananias comes down. It says, And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me to you that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep reading. What happened next? Immediately there fell of his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. There you go. So he was filled with the Spirit, and then he arose and was baptized in water. Okay, so Spirit infilling first, then baptism. So the sequence is not as we would determine by our mind. The Holy Spirit determines how that's going to work. Exactly. Amen. Now, did you notice also the one performing this prayer with laying on hands should be a believer who has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit themselves? Yes. You see, Peter and John had received the Baptism in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Mm. And so they went down and laid hands on the Samaritan believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and he was already a disciple of Jesus, verse 10 says, And there was a certain disciple in Damascus named Annas, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Annas. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And then he told him, Arise and go to the street straight. You'll meet there with, uh, with Saul of Tarsus. And he's praying. And he said that even Saul of Tarsus was given a vision, seeing a man named Annas coming to him and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And then, of course, later we see it's baptism of the Holy Spirit and his sight restored. That's right. But a believer desiring the baptism of the Holy Spirit does not necessarily have to have someone pray for them laying on hands. Okay. Okay. You know, I must admit when I first began sh- sharing and teaching this that, um, you know, many people have decided to go and just pray for it and ask for it. And they've received it. Um. Even myself, when I first became aware of this, I prayed and asked for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And I've been praying every day ever since, you know, when I was aware of this. And it changed everything. Mm. So God has not limited himself to only one method of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I do believe in the special ceremony of praying with the laying on hands is a wonderful way to seek the infilling of the Spirit. And it's always been a special blessing to share this sacred experience with a fellow believer. We know when I've 
preached around the world. But Ellen White said these words in the Review and Herald, February 18, 1890. What we need is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Without this, we are no more fitted to go to the world than were the disciples after the crucifixion of their Lord. Wow. Mm. She's saying that, and she's talking to the church, that we can't go out and give the three angels messages, right, without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. No more than could the disciples go out and preach the gospel after the crucifixion of their Lord until they were baptized by the Holy Spirit. Mm. Well, what about the baptism of the Holy Spirit for sanctification? Well, listen to what Ellen White says in Testimonies, Volume 6, page 86. It says, Impress upon all the necessity of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the sanctification of the church, so that it will be living, growing, fruit-bearing trees of the Lord's planting. All right. So she's saying, Impress upon all the necessity of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And why? For the sanctification of the church. That's us, Mm. the people. And when one reads Ellen White's statements on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's clear that she saw its importance and urged every believer to seek it. Yes. It was clear to her that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was essential for God's work to be finished in the lives of his people and in this earth. And this is why those in Laodicea, this is God's last day church, mm. must receive the eye salve in order to come out of their spiritually blind condition. It's also clear that from these statements that she viewed conversion by the Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit as two separate experiences in the Spirit. Right. If one automatically received the baptism of the Spirit at conversion or water baptism, there would be no reason for Ellen White to state what we need is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That makes perfect sense, yeah. God sought to again draw our denomination's attention to this very important experience in the spring of 1928, right 40 years later after the 1888 message. Yes, when Elder Leroy Froome was led to present this subject to delegates and workers at the Quadrennial Ministerial Institutes held in conjunction with the Union Conference sessions. So basically there was a big session. Mm. All the leaders and everyone got together and the pastors. And out of those sessions, the book The Coming of the Comfort resulted from these presentations. And referring to our neglect or understanding or of understanding and receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Leroy Froome wrote in that book, The Coming of the Comforter. It's an awesome book, mm. Coming of the Comforter. What did he write? He says, I am persuaded that this is our colossal blunder. I confess it has been mine. We are not to go until we are endued. All true service begins at our personal Pentecost. Yeah. And he continues on and says, For there is an experience beyond and above the initial step by which the Holy Spirit first reveals sin, conviction of sin. And Mm. the Holy Spirit converts us and begets a new life in the soul. And that is to be filled with the Spirit. For the lack of this, one's testimony is feeble and the spiritual life but partial. Mm. And again, he wrote, Alas, many today have gone as far as the baptism of repentance, but no farther. So Furum's study led him to believe that the Spirit's infilling is necessary in order for the believer to be victorious through the time of trouble to Christ's coming. Let's read what he says here. Says, in a relationship into which we may or may not enter, though we are exhorted, yet divinely commanded to, in Ephesians chapter 5, and in order to abide through the time when there will be no high priestly intercession, when mercy ceases and forgiveness of transgression is ended, we must enter. So he's saying we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be prepared for the close of probation, he's saying, yes. when Jesus finishes his 
intercessory work as high priest in the heavenly mm, sanctuary. Mm. And he says, it's finished, it's done. He's saying we need this. And so unfortunately there's been much misinformation and confusion about what happens when a person receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I believe Satan fears this experience in the believer more than any other. He knows that the baptism of the Holy Spirit will break his power in the believer's life and the resulting powerful witness for Jesus Christ will bring Satan's work to an end on planet Earth. Mm. For this reason, he has done everything he can to confuse this teaching and cause many sincere Christians to misunderstand it and even be suspicious of it. Mm. You know, and Ellen White writes about this. She says there's nothing more than Satan fears that the people of God, you know, remove every hindrance. And she says this in the Review and Herald, March 22nd, 1887. Okay, he says, There is nothing that Satan fears so much as that the people of God shall clear away by removing every hindrance so that the Lord can pour out his Holy Spirit upon a languishing church and an impenitent congregation. When the way is prepared for the Spirit of God, the blessing will come. Wow. Mm. So Satan fears this more than anything else. He wants us to remove the hindrances. What do you think the hindrances are? The sins in our life. Yes, of course. He, that's why Jesus paid, died on the cross to pay the penalty, to cleanse us from the sins. Mm. And so receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit does not necessarily involve a highly emotional experience. You know, one or may or may not feel anything at the time of seeking the infilling of the Spirit. However, the Spirit will make himself known to the one in whom he indwells. His presence will begin changing the believer's life from within. A new power for victory and service will be manifested and a stronger desire to pray and study God's word will be experienced. I remember when I started praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and repent, mm. you know, going through what Peter said, you know, repent, yes, be baptized. When I started praying daily for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and repenting, everything changed. Everything changed for me. Mm. Uh, you know, I started seeing victory over sin in my life. I started receiving power to witness. Yes. I started seeing divine appointments being opened up and... Just, you know, many feel wonderful things because Jesus was living in me. And like Jesus said in John fourteen twelve, the same works I do, you shall do the same works. Mm. Paul got it. He says, it's not I that live, that Christ lives in me. And because Christ lived in Paul, Paul did the same works as Jesus. Yes. And so God desires to give his children this wonderful experience of spirit baptism. However, in order to receive it, we must ask in faith, believing that he'll give it to us. Mm. Secondly, we must be willing to give ourselves completely to God. We've got to surrender. Amen. And Ellen White tells us that if you want to be receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need to prepare for it. Mm. And she writes that, you know, what happened on the day of Pentecost in Testimonies to Ministers, page 507. It says, The heart must be emptied of every defilement and cleansed for the indwelling of the Spirit. It was by the confession and forsaking of sin by earnest prayer and consecration of themselves to God, that the early disciples prepared for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. So straight away, the first thing it says, the heart must be emptied of every defilement. So cleansed for the indwelling so of the Holy Spirit. There's repentance. Mm. Lord, forgive me for my sins. You know, search my heart, O Lord. You know, if there's something wicked in me, and then cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Mm. Like cleansing in the sanctuary yes. Cleansed by the blood of Jesus For the indwelling of the Spirit So what did they do? Four things It was by confession Number one Forsaking of sin yes. Number two 
by earnest prayer, number three, mm. and number four, consecration of themselves to God, that the early disciples prepared for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost. And that is why Jesus tells the Laodicean church, the last day church, that they must buy the I sell from him. In order to receive, one must surrender 100% to Jesus. This was the experience of the disciples as they prayed for 10 days before receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And we can read that again. Ellen White comments on this on the signs of the times, January 20, 1998. Sorry, 1898. Okay, so they were bidden not to leave Jerusalem till they had been endued with the power from on high. They therefore remained in Jerusalem fasting and praying. They emptied from their hearts all bitterness, all estrangement, all differences, for this would have prevented their prayer being as one. And when they had emptied of self, Christ filled the vacancy. The Holy Spirit came upon them and filled all the house where they were sitting. Then was the promise fulfilled, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. So they didn't just spend 10 days just praying, fill us with the Holy Spirit, fill us with the Holy mm. Spirit, over and over and over again for 10 days. No, they remained in Jerusalem fasting and praying. They emptied their hearts of all bitterness. There would have been forgiveness between one another. You yes. know, before Pentecost, you know, they were traveling around. They were always arguing, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who's going mm. to be the senior elder? Who's going to be the pastor? Who's going to be the leader? <laughs> who's who's going, going to sit on the right and the left? Who's yeah. going to sit on the right and the left? You know, they're all seeking position. And now they were, you know, they were forgive, asking forgiveness for one, not only from God, but from one another. All bitterness and strain, all differences would have prevented their prayers being one. So they emptied themselves completely. Then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, wow. And this, notice what Jesus says. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I'll pray my Father. So they had the law written on their mind and hearts. Mm. Another and that was the work of the Spirit already, because it says yeah. there, and it says, uh, I will pray the Father, and he'll send you another comforter, uh, that he may abide with you forever. And then it says, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. So what happens is the Holy Spirit was the one that enabled all this prayer that enabled them to repent, to put these sins aside. And then at the Pentecost, what they had, they had the Holy Spirit in them. So there's the steps. You can see the steps. Jesus said, you know, the Holy Spirit is with you already. He's working with you. Just like some believers who have not been baptized with the Holy Spirit yet, have the Holy Spirit with them, convicting them of sin, uh, taking them through steps of confession and repentance and forsaking of sins. And then if they keep on following down their path as the Holy Spirit leads through, through prayer and through study of his word, God will baptize him with the Holy Spirit. That's right. And every day. Every day, yes. We're to seek the baptism every day. Mm. You know, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 31. You know, that we need to be renewed by the Holy Spirit every single day. Uh, you know, when he, what does he say in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 31? He says, I affirm by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. That's right. So... The dying to self and infilling the spirit is a daily experience. You know, if you die daily, maybe you need to be born daily. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. So he was daily died to self and daily filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm. And it's not a once and forever experience. Paul tells us that the inward man is renewed day by 
day. Okay. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse sixteen. Let's just confirm that. It says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. By the Spirit. Amen. So we need the renewing of the Spirit every day in our lives. And also we read in Ephesians chapter five, verse eighteen, where Paul commands to be, you know, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. It's a continuous action verb in the Greek, meaning Mm. we are to keep on being filled with the Spirit daily. And with the infilling of the Spirit, the believer is led by the Spirit. And Paul writes of the importance of this being a daily experience when he states in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And again, again, the verb form in the Greek is a continuous action. Paul is saying, as many many as are continuing to be led daily by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. We're to continue to be led day by day. Hence, we must receive the Spirit every day to be led by Him every day. And listen to what Ellen White said about Jesus, who is our example in all things. Note what Ellen White writes about the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' daily life. Okay, it says, daily he received a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. In the early hours of the new day, the Lord awakened him from his slumbers, and his soul and his lips were anointed with grace that he might impart to others. Christ, Object Lessons, page 139. So here, even Ellen White is saying in Christ's Object Lessons, page 139, that Jesus himself received a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit every day. And what did he receive it to? Well, did you notice it was in the early hours of the new day? That's that the, right. That Lord awakened him from his slumbers. It was the first thing mm. of the day. And what happened? It says his soul and his lips were anointed with grace. So he was anointed with grace to do what? That he might impart to others. So that's the point. We receive grace to mm. impart to others. Yes. That's why we go daily. Lord, give me grace to impart to others today. And so Jesus himself received a fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit to impart grace to others. And we, if Jesus needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit daily, Edian, do we need it? Absolutely. Yeah. So much the more. That's right. And so you know why this is important? Because in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, it says that those who are ready, basically it's saying those who are ready to meet Jesus will be just like him. Hmm. It says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So when is he revealed? At the second, second coming. coming. Yes. So we'll see him like he is. Mm. And then keep reading. So what shall we be doing because of that? It says, And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So what's the, so doesn't that does that remind you of Malachi chapter three, where the sons of Levi are being purified, purified yes. in preparation for the Lord's second coming? Amen. It's a purification process mm. of removing, blotting, cleansing us of sin in our lives so that we will be just like Jesus. Mm. And interestingly, how much like Jesus are we to become? Well, the Greek word translated like means just like him. Mm. So how does this happen? It happens through the daily baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus will live out his life in us. And I think Paul describes this beautifully in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Yes. When he says these words. Yes, and this is one of my favorite texts. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live 
in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what was the first step of Paul? What did he first do? He was crucified with Christ, death to self. Death to self. Mm. And because of this, he says, well, I still live though, don't I? Yeah. All right, I'm still living. But he says, it's not me that lives anymore. But Christ Jesus lives in him. Yeah. Mm. And the life he now lives, right, he lives by the faith of the Son of God. Mm. So he's, the flesh is still with him. He says, the life I now live in the flesh. Yeah. So his fallen flesh is still with him. He says, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Who loved me. and gave, So he still has a sinful nature, mm. but he's subdued by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because he has died to died self. Died to self. Amen. Well, dear listener, we pray that God has blessed you in your study today. We're just going to share our contact details with you. Stay tuned and we'll be right back after this message. Thank you for joining us on You Shall Receive Power. If you would like more information about today's program, or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249-73-3456. Or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Dear listener, welcome back. As we wrap up this program, we have been talking about the I-Self and the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is able to give us spiritual discernment. Now, the information we're sharing with you comes from a beautiful little book written by Pastor Dennis Smith. It's called Amiga Apostasy and Laodicea, and it talks about history repeating itself. If you would like a copy of this, you can actually get a free copy of it. You can download this book at www. Spiritbaptism.org That is www.spiritbaptism.org And we were just talking about those who are looking forward to the second coming of Jesus We read that text there in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2 It says that what we will be has not been yet revealed In other words, when we look at ourselves, it's not evident to us But it says, but we know that when Jesus is revealed at his second coming We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is that's right. And then he gives us, Paul gives us how in Galatians 2.20. He says, I'm crucified with Christ. It's surrender and dying to self. Mm. And then he says, but I still live. I've still got a sinful nature. Yeah. But now it's not I that lives anymore. Paul's dead. Paul's dead. Okay. Paul's, the Paul's dead. The old, he was crucified with Christ. The old man is dead. And he mm. says, it's now Christ that lives in me. And so the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that's why we need the daily baptism in the Holy Spirit every day because Paul says, I die daily. Mm. So every day, die to self, be crucified with self, and pray daily for the baptism in the Holy Spirit of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then Jesus promised in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that as you behold Jesus, you will be changed into the image of Jesus from glory to glory. It's a process. Yes. And as long as you're on the journey, Jesus says, I'm the author and finisher of your faith. And I will get you where I need you to get you. Okay, so we've got to continue to behold Christ through the word and through the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Dear listener, we pray that you will continue in your journey with God as well and that you will continue every day, choose to die to self, reconcile yourself to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ because he who has died has been freed from sin and then ask God to fill you and baptize you with the Holy Spirit. We look forward to catching up with you next time. Until then, God be with you.
have been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.